Hi, welcome back to the Pancast Radio. Our next guest is a late addition, as we have not um, gotten rights to one of our performances that we were going to do. So instead, I'd like to welcome Jaden Royale, a New York City-based artist and photographer who I went to school with back in freshman year at ASU. Uh, Jaden, we will wait until you're on. In the meanwhile, I would like to take this time to remind everyone to support and donate to the Fala Indigenous Supply Fund. It's a GoFundMe um, that helps all the Native communities out in Arizona. They desperately need your help. Any donation is greatly appreciated. Jayan. Hey, what's up? How's it going? <laughs> My camera's a little foggy. Okay. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. Um, it's, you know, quarantine, so. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a photographer, right? Yeah, slash video editor. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Tell us about tell us about that. Yeah. Um, I started off in college video editing, and I think that's my main focus right now. And I do some assistant editing, um, and then also I've been doing some YouTube and branding content lately. So, yeah, I really I love editing a lot. I love music videos and stuff. Um, in documentaries. So. Uh, what type of, you know, YouTube music do you look for when you edit? Sorry, say that again? What, uh, what kind of music videos are you editing? Um, well, I mean, a majority were like, I'm trying to think, like a lot of rap and more like techno type stuff and it was stuff that people that I know from um school would would make like their music and so I edited some of that and then my friends and I um during school too I am only saying during school because I haven't been able to do a lot of um music video editing after but um we would just kind of make our own versions of like copyrighted songs (laughs) um but it would be like mainly mainly rap and stuff with like a heavy beat very cool. And how did you get into that? Let me think. Sorry, I'm like, I haven't really, um... No, you're good. Thought much um, I guess I started getting into it. I guess right when I started editing videos, I would just edit music videos for fun. Um, and I took an experimental film class, which I think really catapulted it. And we learned... It was primarily to learn After Effects, but we did a lot of stuff that was music-based um, and, like, time-based like that. Um, so I'd say that's how I got into it. It was just um, editing a lot for my class and then, like, on the side. And then after a while, I made friends who um, did, like, cinematography and um, filming and stuff. And so we kind of formed a little crew together, and people would ask us to to make content for they're like new singles and all of that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So when you say experimental film, what is that? What is experimental? Experimental? Um, yeah, you're asking the hard hitting questions. Let me Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, so, well, for me, experimental is, I would say it's a film that doesn't necessarily have a set meaning that the audience is supposed to interpret in a certain way. And so 
um, which can mean like a whole lot of things. Like a lot of experimental films are very, um, are very just visual based. Um, and so, I mean, you know, every film has a story or has like an intention behind it, but some are a little bit more explicit than others, but still you can interpret them, you know, the way that you want to interpret them. At least for me, I know people disagree with that and think that, or believe that there is a set meaning a lot of the times, but for me and why I like, um, experimental film is because it can be interpreted in whatever way um, you want. And also just experimenting with not only visuals, but time, sounds, um, which is why I think music videos for me are very experimental in a lot of ways, because um, you are adding in all those elements of just kind of like playing around with stuff and it's not linear and it's not um, necessarily exact in it, its meaning. Yeah, I, I really like that. So what's the, uh, what's the importance of making those types of media, uh, films and uh, content for us that don't really necessarily have a meaning and we're supposed to pull it out from the content? I think that it can drive people to create something out of what they're viewing, at least conceptually, that um, is even bigger than the original intent. So, um, and you know, it always comes out of people's like personal experiences. So let's say I made something that was very personal to me, but someone else watching it relates to it in a completely different way. Um, and then uses that to create something else. I think that there's, I think that not having a defined concept can make it like the possibilities endless for what it, what it can mean to somebody. And also I think it's important too, because I know for me the films that I've watched and connected to the most are um, experimental. And I know that the meaning that I connected with had nothing to do with why it was made or that wasn't the intent of the artist at all, but it was really important to me to be able to, um, to be able to have that experience. And so, I think it also kind of makes the art very um, selfless too, when it's not about the message that you're trying to say, but you're putting out there what you want to put out there and allowing other people to have their own experience that's really important to them, even if it's different than what you intended. Yes. Yeah, that's very um, liberating, I think. Yeah. Um, almost and a bit scary as well for an audience member. So how do we I mean, how do we say it's okay to bring your own stuff into the, the theater? As yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess part, part of something that reminds me, or that question reminds me of just the idea that I think a lot of people go into films thinking that they need to, like, have a sort of well-rounded experience and knowledge of what that film means. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on people, like you said, um, watching the films to have the right answer for what they're supposed to experience um, when watching it. And so I think for me, what's been liberating, um, especially in school and studying, you know, the professors and people who were like guiding me always made me feel okay for thinking whatever it was I was thinking or feeling about a piece and, um, you know, never put me down if, you know, what I was experiencing was different than what was intended. And so I think, in viewing films that are more um, experimental or just films in general, just putting the pressure of having to have a certain experience with it 
um, putting that away and just allowing yourself to feel whatever you want to feel or think whatever you want to think or have the questions that you want to have um, or not question anything at all. I think that it's just very individual. And um, I think pressure can be relieved if you just acknowledge that, you know, your experience is going to be different than somebody else's and no one's having a right one. I like that. Yeah. Um, I, I got kind of reminded of stuff that we've talked about in the past where, um, you know, our experience is not the same as someone else's. So we're looking at, you know, some piece of art in a community will be really relevant. Mm -hmm. And in another community, it's just going to be completely, I mean, no one will understand it at all. So mm -hmm. is it, it's okay to not understand something. Yeah, I guess that kind of um, goes into the point of like exploitation um, and stuff too, especially like in like social aspects. But um, yeah, that's like some, it's because it could be two different ways. It could be okay to not understand and to experience it the way you want to experience, but then also it could be really, really important to understand where something's coming from um, in order to have that experience. And I guess ultimately it's just the intent of the artist because um, there could be, if we're talking specifically experimental work, um, there could be an experimental film that the artist wants you to have a very specific outtake from. Um, and so in that case, it's important to understand the context in all of that. But um, at least for the films that I like to watch or to make, um, I don't have a specific narrative that I'm trying to deliver a specific um I guess concept and so I would I would encourage people who watch the films that I make to have their own experience and I wouldn't or I guess think about it the ways that they want to think about and I wouldn't be offended if it was not in the same respect that I made it to be in I guess sorry if I'm kind of talking in circles but no, it's good I um, yeah so maybe I, I would just I think it has to do with the intent of the artist, you know, and just understanding where that artist is coming from when they're making it, um, whether they want you to take whatever you want away from it or whether there's something really specific. But I guess that's also hard to to pinpoint too because that's not always the easiest thing to figure out. Yeah, and it's interesting because we think about artist intent as sort of the end-all be-all of um, examining a piece of literature or a piece of film and I guess we neglect our own experiences and we don't it's almost like we don't value them as much when we're talking about someone else's work um have you uh, I mean have you experienced that as well or as in um oh sorry will you say the uh, question one more time <laughs> yeah of course I mean have you experienced people you know saying well my experiences don't have any really value to interpretation. I really just look at the author's intent. Yeah. And definitely. what does that do to, I guess, enjoyment or how does that change the art form? Good question. <laughs> well, I would, it's interesting because I mean, you, not even just in interpreting art, but just life in general. It's like, how much is your experience um, relevant or important, period. And, um, yeah, sorry, I'm like. <laughs> yeah, you're okay. Uh, 
Um, so, uh, yeah, so you did photography too. So what kinds of things do you, photog uh, do you photograph? Um, <laughs> I love to photograph faces. What? I love like, I honestly don't know. I'm like very mesmerized by faces and expressions and um, yeah, so I love portraits and yeah, and it's interesting because I don't like find myself as fascinated with other parts of like the body or anything or even just full body. But I think it's because for me, at least, um, it's a, le a little easier to have a little bit more control over um, the image when it is just the face and not that it's just the face because that's like very difficult too. But I think I get overwhelmed when um, I'm taking photos of more than just like this like even landscape photos and stuff i find to be very difficult too i mean not that portraits aren't difficult but it's just a little bit more specific and i can like narrow my focus it's really cool i, I mean, there's something about portraits that really also kind of they tell you a lot about a person and what they were feeling or thinking at that specific moment mm -hmm. um how do you capture that in, in a photograph? Yeah, um, good question. That's still something I'm really trying to figure out because, I mean, in my time doing portraits so far, it's always been very planned out and staged and I'm not as fixated on, on expressions, honestly. Um, and that's something that I've been wanting to work more on. And mostly I've been trying to I guess work on um, easing the subject because a lot of times like when I take pictures it's of people who aren't used to being in front of the camera and so um, so I guess I haven't really had that much experience if any at all trying to pull out an expression that wasn't um, more so about just you know like looking good and smiling type of thing um, but it that is another reason though why I love portrait photography is because it's like there's so much story within that one piece of um, like the body and the face and there's like so much there's so much happening like right here as opposed to other um, aspects of like the body that can just tell so much of a story. Absolutely. Um, so when you're, I mean, when you put, what, what type of camera do you use? And um, I have a DSLR. Uh, I, I have a DSLR and SLR, so like the digital and the film version of, um, or film and then the digital version of the film camera. But I love the camera specifically because of the mirror. So like there's mirrorless, the mirrorless cameras that are, you see like the digitized image. Um, and I used to have one of those and it's interesting because that was my first camera I had before that I would use my mom's DSLR camera and then I was like I'm gonna get my own and so I got one that was really good for video and it was a mirrorless camera and I found myself never really picking it up to use it very often um, and after like a year I started unless I like had to use it for school or um, projects or whatever but not just like for fun or going somewhere with my friends and bringing it along and I started to really analyze why I wasn't connecting with it the same way I was connecting with my mom's camera. And 
I really think it's because um, my eye just loves seeing the, the mirrored image um, in reflection of what I'm taking a picture of rather than the digitized version. And I think that kind of put a barrier between um, me and my experience using it because I felt like I wasn't completely there, like there was something blocking it, which is, you know, the that's digital. Interesting. That, that's yeah. interesting. Um, so, yeah, because I usually, I mean, when you think about taking a photo with a, with a phone, that's like a digital mirror, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is it weird taking a photo with your phone as well, or is it? No, it's not weird taking photos with my phone, but I'm also never like, I want to go take photos today. I'm going to bring my phone along. And that's probably just because I have like a camera that I'd rather use. But um, I would say it's kind of, I guess that experience is very different too, because it's just a completely different um, technology that I don't really, like I associate it with taking photos, but not as much as a camera. Um, yeah, that's a good question. It's funny because oftentimes I'll, if I'm comparing the phone to like, like a mirror, like something like purely a digital, um, like platform versus like a real life mirror, I definitely connect with things I see in mirrors, um, a lot more than I guess seeing like the a phone screen and taking a picture. Like, you know, when you accidentally or not even accidentally, but you're somewhere and like it's like sunset and you see a mirror in the corner of the room and it shines really pretty on the mirror that kind of thing um i think i i definitely connect with that better than i do with taking a picture of you know it's sunset again and there's a shadow on the ground um taking a picture of that like i definitely connect with the real life version of it in my eyes um that's really interesting that speaks on um authenticity almost and um, how authentic our photos are. Um, and the one thing that I really admired was we were, I think it was the first or second time we were hanging out in New York together. We went to that play, um, Everyman. And you brought, yeah. yeah, you brought along an actual film camera and took uh, photos of that. <laughs> was, so, I mean, what is your experience with like film versus a digital photo? It's interesting because um, I think my experience with film is that it acts for me more as a time capsule in the sense that I don't use it as often. And so let's say I have a strip of film um, from like two years ago. I know everything on that, like each picture is going to be from a completely different moment in, in time for me. Um, I was actually having a conversation with my roommate about this a little bit ago, but um, for instance, like your camera roll on your phone versus like I have a Visco account and um, I never like I'll post stuff on it, <laughs> but it's not all, all the pictures I take. Um, it's only some stuff. And so I like, I enjoy going back because I know that it's not too saturated with images and it really is just pure specific moments. And so I think it acts the same way with film mm -hmm. versus digital because digital will take a lot more photos and, you know, I just have an abundance of um, hard drives full of, you know, SD card dumps. Um, and so it would be kind of difficult to go back and just have like a nice moment of reminiscing um, because there is so much there. Whereas um, 
with film, I don't use it as often. And so, you know, I could, like, I, I just changed my, my film canister, but the one I had like last week still has that picture of you on the bus um, on it from months ago. And yeah. so it's just, <laughs> it's kind of, it, that's why I asked more as a time capsule. Cause it's just like bits and moments of a very long period of time, um, all into one thing rather than just a ton of images from an afternoon. Um, but I'm not like, not that that's a bad thing or anything. Like I love, I love digital. Well, yeah, and sure, but it's, you know, it's a different way and to take a photograph and it's a different photo shoot because we really need to be, when we think about film, we really need to be mindful of, um, is this the right photo that I'm going to take? Because that, I mean, that little cell costs a lot of money and you can't mm -hmm. delete it mm -hmm. except to throw it away. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's and also even just the fact that you can't look back because I think another reason yeah. I have because I would much rather take um, I would rather take a lot more film in, images than I do now. Um, but I think sometimes when I'm there and I'm about to take that picture, even if I had an unlimited amount of, of film at my disposal and, you know, processing money, um, I would still take more time to take that picture just because I can't go back and think or look and make sure I, I did it right. And so right. you just have to, yeah, it's, but it's, it's really interesting. And I mean, that's why a lot of people love film. That's why a lot of people I know, like start off using film too. Like a lot of, I know like a lot of my favorite photographers have um, started off using just film cameras and it really like changed or not change, but like really help them in their career and being able to like have the technicals um, that like I still definitely don't have. <laughs> um, yeah. So have you you've have you developed any of the film roles? Um. Oh, just like in general. Yeah. Oh, de yeah, definitely. And so, I mean, did they turn out well? And then, how do you? I mean, because it's been such a long time since you took a photo. How do you? correct yourself and how do you, um, you know, progress as a photographer by having that one strip of film that, you know, a photo might have been taken a year ago? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I'm still trying to figure that out. That's something that's always stumped me too, is how do people, how do people improve so like in a timely manner when the process is such a long process. And I guess it just takes a lot of time, but I'm, I'm lucky cause I have my digital camera. And so I'm able to improve um, in between, you know, film strips and film rolls by um, practicing with the digital. Um, but I would say like, I mean, the first like two <laughs> like rolls of film I had, I really, really, really thought I was being really careful and shooting everything like with the right, um, like, I guess like f stops and all of that, but I looked back and it was just completely white, like, no. <laughs> and it was like on vacation too. And <laughs> oh, that's um, the worst. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my mom says hi. So. <laughs> oh, um, um, yeah. So it was like vacation pics of my family. It was over a duration of the summer. I was like, these are going to be the best shots ever. It's going to be so cool. And I look back and it's just completely white. And since then, like, I think the role of film I did directly after that, like, looked beautiful and um, everything looked decent. 
but um yeah i basically have just stacks of film that still need to be developed and so i think i've only really processed or scanned and like processed and scanned like five rolls or like five to like eight rolls of film so far but yeah so i'm still really trying to figure out how to improve via film yeah. but it's funny enough my grandpa actually gave me a film camera uh before i came to new york and i found out it has like an automatic function <laughs> and um i've been using that the past couple months honestly um and i need to stop because i'm not like pushing myself to actually figure out the the technicals behind it and it's just easier to just whip it out and, and take a photo is it, I mean, is it wrong to just use the automatic function? Like, when does that, I mean, why do we want to use the technical, I mean, yeah. setting it up just so precisely? Like, why does that matter in a film? Or I think it's just craftsmanship and, I mean, to each their own. I want to learn the technicals because I want to get better at that and be able to have that skill set. But I mean, a picture is a picture and, you know, you, you do what you want to do. And I think, I mean, there are reasons people don't use like the auto functions of things. Um, for me, I think the reason that I have been using it is because capturing something quickly is more important to me than figuring out because it takes me so long to figure out like all the settings and stuff. So um, that's why I have been using it. But I know a lot of people don't use it because, you know, you have so much control still over an image by the, the settings you use, like how dark it is, how light it is, how fast you want the shutter speed to go. And it all influences like the mood and your, your specific style as an artist. And so, um, I mean, that's why people don't use automatic because they want to have control over all those, those aspects, you know, whether a picture is blurry or, not or um yeah but i i don't have the technicals to be able to <laughs> figure that out fair enough uh Jane, that's about our time do you have anything to advertise before you go projects that you're working on or um i've been doing some writing uh we'll figure out when i get drafts of my stuff but no i've just been chilling and really taking time during quarantine to I think um, to indulge in experiencing different art forms and stuff. So I've been, I've been good. Thank so, you for, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was also going to say you um, also acted in a rotoscoping animation that's going to hopefully be developed soon, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, I did. That was awesome. That was yeah. fun. <laughs> so, yeah, um, cool. Yeah. What is, do you have any timeline on? on that project sorry <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's okay. well, yeah because it got weird because covid yeah definitely yeah. so yeah. again jay and thank you again for coming on yeah the um of course. thank you having you <laughs> take care good to see you see you as well um that was jay and royale we will be back in about 30 minutes to talk about veganism and food and diets with andres rodriguez story uh stay tuned Hi, welcome back to the Pancast Radio. I met our next guest at Flagstaff in the past summer when I worked at the Village Baker. Flagstaff's and Arizona's my expert bread tasting opinion, best bread supplier. Speaking of Flagstaff, I would like to remind everyone to go and donate to the Fala Indigenous Supply Fund, a fundraising campaign 
to help out the Navajo and Hopi communities in Arizona. We could have a GoFundMe account 